Hello, this is the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson, Director of Communications at the Michigan Department of Transportation. On Wednesday, the U.S. House of Representatives followed the Senate in passing President Biden's $1.9 trillion pandemic relief and stimulus bill. We know some of that will go to airlines, transit agencies, and Amtrak to help with some deep losses they suffered the past year. Today, Susan Howard, Program Director for Transportation Finance at the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, will talk to us about the transportation components of the bill and what we can expect as the President takes up his next big priority, infrastructure. Once again, I'm with Susan Howard of Ashto. And Susan, thank you for taking time to do this. Could you first just talk a little about your background and what you did before Ashto and what you do in your current position? Sure. My background is really in the transportation policy side here in Washington, D.C. I kind of fell into transportation work, but when I really began my career working on Capitol Hill, I lucked into a job where I worked for a member of the House Appropriations Committee, and transportation was one of my assigned issue areas. And so I really just kind of learned on the job and really learned a lot in that position. I then transitioned to a job with the state DOT from my home state of North Carolina, representing them in Washington on policy and legislative matters, which again was a great kind of hands-on learning experience about how state DOTs function and how they use uh, the federal aid program. And then I went to work for a different association that focused on um, local government, local councils of government, regional planning. Uh, So I did a little bit of transportation work there, but I was really uh, happy to come to Ashto and be able to focus full-time on transportation policy. And in my role, I manage our portfolio when it comes to federal funding and and financing. Um, That's both a policy job and also a uh, kind of best practices uh, educational job. I run something called the Vatican Institute, which is a uh, educational and capacity building service for state DOTs about the use of innovative finance to need, innovative finance techniques to fund transportation projects. Well, so when it comes to transportation finance and certainly education to the public and lawmakers and media about transportation finance, um, I don't think I can overstate the importance of your job um, in this climate and what we live in and decades of underinvestment in our infrastructure. Um, so talk a little bit first before we get into the stimulus bill about those challenges, trying to uh, to educate people about how transportation is funded. Yeah, it is a real challenge because the transportation is something obviously that affects every person every day. But it is one of those areas of government and funding that is a little bit invisible to the average person, I think. Plus, our system for the, the federal state relationship is very complex. And when it comes to transportation, transportation is a unique is unique among other federal programs for its budget type of budget authority, the um, you know the way it's distributed by formula, and it's a very nuanced program that frankly just is so detailed that a lot I don't think a lot of people know much about it unless you happen to fall into this line of work or work for a state DOT and are dealing with federal aid every day. So we do have a big job to do in educating the public about how that small amount of money that they pay at the at the gas pump translates to projects that benefit their daily life. Um, And we have a job to do on Capitol Hill 
um, educating members about the nuances of the program, why it's different and why it needs sustained investment over time. Um, the nature of transportation capital investment, again, is, of course, is over several years and, and state DOTs put a lot of effort and time into uh, creating their capital programs, which, again, have to be executed over multiple years. So, you know, the interplay between appropriations and authorizations is unique. The relationship between the federal government and the states and delivering transportation is unique. So it it is kind of a continuous educational job for both the public and the Hill, I think. I think the more you know, the more you realize what you don't know when it comes mm -hmm. to transportation, especially when it comes to funding. So this this 1.9 trillion trillion with a T uh, stimulus uh, pandemic relief package includes you know a decent amount of money for transportation, but not not surface programs that Ashto mainly focuses on. But can you talk a little bit about what you think it will mean? to airlines in terms of having to, you know, furlough more people and to the transit agencies across the country? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the key takeaway from this package is that it really is going to provide some immediate and necessary payroll support for the transportation sector, um, particularly transit agencies who have been just really devastated by the, by the um, pandemic as their ridership has just really tanked um and you know you should point out there, these are the people that that need it most they're the kinds of workers that can't work from home and they most need a ride they need to get to work and yet, absolutely yeah, yeah and yet they feel at risk using transit so it's a it's right. a, it's, it's really a double whammy absolutely they've been hit really on all sides from it and um we have you know we depend upon it here you know in the washington dc area we depend upon our metro system um to move lots and lots of people and it's you know and in the peak it does and with the pandemic you know fewer and fewer, fewer of those like you know typical nine to five office workers have been riding it but we certainly have had to maintain that level of service for the frontline workers and healthcare people who need to get around and who depend upon it so i think the immediate impact will be in those sectors for transit and airline workers um, and even aviation manufacturers who are included in this package, that sort of pay, immediate payroll support. I mean, I think that our transit system here in D.C. immediately announced, like, we'll be able to cut off any more service and staff cuts right away. Um, the airline industry has said something similar. You know, those layoffs we had planned a month ago, forget about it. We can we can do this. We can move forward now. So I think that kind of stability is actually really important um, for the industry as a whole. And so I kind of... I kind of envision this stimulus package as a really direct shot in the arm to, you know, industries that here a year later are still really struggling to keep keep the lights on. Yeah. So if um, if there there was no good reason, I guess, to include anything when it came to just roads and bridges and surface transportation in this particular relief bill, I mean, was that discussed at all? And was a decision that we'll just take that up later? Well, it's yeah, it's a kind of complex, but I think the short answer is that state DOT has got $10 billion in direct assistance in the stimulus bill that was passed in December. That So that was fresh, you know, fresh on the minds, I think, of um, lawmakers when we started this process for this stimulus bill. Also, this stimulus bill was different because it was done under budget reconciliation, which is a whole separate podcast probably to explain how that process works. But in short, it was a pretty narr narrowly tailored package, and it was sort of handed off to Congress by the administra the new administ presidential administration. 
Um, yes. There wasn't a lot of room. There wasn't a lot of room for negotiation or um, too much tweaking. It was sort of a it was a directive essentially from uh, the House and Senate leadership to their committees to say, here's what you have for your committee and here's how we want you to allocate it. So we decided as Ashto that our focus should be on long, you know, looking forward to either a long term stimulus or surface transportation reauthorization or some combination of those two, if those two get married together. We felt that with the $10 billion that had just been allocated to state DOTs, we didn't necessarily have, you know, really the fortitude to to approach Congress and ask for an another immediate infusion of funds. We wanted to see how that $10 billion, you know, was able to assist state DOTs. And if we need more, we can certainly pursue that down the road. But, you know, the big picture for us in a lot of ways is the long-term reauthorization of the program. So let's turn to that and, uh, and President Biden's promise uh, to do something serious about infrastructure, which obviously we've heard before. And as you know, Secretary Pete Buttigieg of U.S. Department of Transportation joked that, uh, you know, this is not going to be a Groundhog's Day thing anymore, that we're really going to do something with Infrastructure Week. Um, what's your prognosis, and be honest with us, uh, about something big happening? Sure. Well, I definitely think that the, the will and the intent is there from the administration. I don't know that we know quite yet the parameters and scope of it. Are we looking at another bill like we had in 2009 that was very um, direct spending for transportation and infrastructure focused on job creation and really stimulating the economy? Uh, there are a lot of policy goals that they've talked about wanting to also include in this infrastructure package, primarily climate change and, and job creation as well. So what it looks like, I think is still up in the air, they've been talking to a lot of state DOTs about, you know, project specific needs, like what, you know, if you had unlimited resources or if you had a very big, you know, infusion of, of federal funds, what would you, would you spend it on and how quickly could you do it? So there's certainly a focus on that kind of, I think, big, wanting to do something big and bold. So when you think about the longtime resistance to doing anything new with revenue, especially among congressional Republicans, and knowing that if this is going to be big, that uh, people on both sides are not going to just want to do it with existing revenue. Um, do you see any daylight there for some in the House and Senate to to come around on vehicle miles traveled or something new that, that could actually generate revenue since the federal gas tax hasn't been raised since 1993? I sure hope so. This has been, <laughs> this has been kind of the unrealized dream of my career, I guess, I would say. Um, you and me both. Definitely, yeah, definitely there's interest, definitely there's interest in VMT, and that's picked up even more in recent weeks with really the bold announcement from car manufacturers, GM in particular, about, you know, transitioning the fleet to uh, electric, as well as states like California that have set very high targets and goals for transitioning. And there's a recognition, a recognition that the gas taxes that currently exist would obviously not capture revenue from vehicles that don't use gasoline. So what's what's next? How do we move towards the future? And VMT has been, of course, on the radar and talked about for years and years and years. And so we, I think the next bill, next surface transportation bill is an opportunity to move the needle. And really, what we really need to do is figure out how to get from where we are with a number of states that have done really successful pilot programs to how do you answer the questions that need to be addressed at the national level in terms of things like the ease of administration, um, cross, you know, how to account for 
traffic that goes across states, driving across states? You know, how do we set up a system that can be a national system to implement this? So the interest is there. I don't know exactly where it will go specifically. Um, and I also think that in terms of looking at a new another package, another infrastructure package or a new infrastructure package, there's already starting to be a little bit of trepidation on the Hill about about how it's funded and the fact that it needs to be funded rather than, you know, these these recovery bills that we've done recently have all been deficit spending and then that's fine. I think everybody's accepted that there's going to have to be some of that to be able to really jumpstart the economy and help really help people who are desperately in need. But at some point, I think there's going to reach a, a crossroads where folks are not going to be willing to continue to do that kind of spending. And so what that means, I'm not sure what that means. New, it either has to be new revenue or cutting somewhere else. So um, well, and and that should be the simplicity of it, right? Traditionally, we thought transportation, especially roads and bridges, should be based on a user fee. And the people that, you know, drive on the roads and bridges should pay for the roads and bridges. And for a long time, that worked with the gas tax. Um, it's, as you point out, it's not going to going forward. And BMT is certainly getting there. And I think Chairman DeFazio, obviously coming from a state that's that's had some success with it, would like to see it happen. But when everybody says... Well, this is the one thing we can agree on, you know, Republicans and Democrats. I think all they agree on is that our roads and bridges are falling apart. I don't think know that there's any broad agreement on how to fund it. I mean, what do you think? What would be your best sell to, you know, a, a tax pledge Republican on why they need to support revenue for transportation? Well, I think the best argument is the one that you hit upon, that that we have a user pay system for transportation that was instituted to, you know, build the interstate system many, many decades ago, that it is at a crossroads now and to build the kind of transportation network that we need for the future that's that's modern, that's um, streamlined, that is accounting for all of these different technologies that are really coming at us very quickly, whether it be electric vehicles, connected and automated vehicles, or, um, you know, any other manner of things. Um, we're not in the best position to meet that challenge. And so, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's always bipartisan agreement that we like infrastructure and, and it's the type of investment that's important for the government to do. But we've never been able to come to a consensus about um, the revenue side. And um, I don't know that much has changed in that uh, calculus, to be honest with you. Um, everyone's looking for the the solution and it may be that there are many solutions <laughs> it may be that it's a it's more of a menu than just one option uh, and it may take us many several years to trans transition to a vmt and so you know can there be something in the interim and that's you know i think over the past few weeks we've heard more members that were have long been supporters of a gas tax increase start to tiptoe away from it because i feel they just i just think they feel like the ship has sailed and if it hasn't been successful in the past, why would why would it be successful now? And they may and they may be correct. Yeah. So when you think about going forward and what the president has talked about and what uh, Secretary Pete has talked about, how do you see that that uh, fight playing out between the traditional labor wing of the party that would like to to have the traditional jobs involved in building roads and bridges, and those that are pushing for you know, climate change to be a major factor in this going forward. And, you know, what some people think of when they think of better infrastructure, 
Um, others think is bad infrastructure. You know, they don't want more roads and bridges. They want to decommission freeways and they want to think about ways to support multimodal and, and pedestrian uses. Um, I mean, that's going to be a battle within the bigger battle, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the way we've been successful in the past in getting long-term surface transportation legislation passed is through building a, a broad coalition that includes all the types of groups you mentioned, labor, the industry, construction industry, and contractors, the multimodal folks as well. We've had a balance that's been able to advance this through the years. Um, I think that, you know, for the new administration, they don't see, you know, they don't see climate as an antithesis to jobs. They see it as, you know, kind of creating a new new revolution or new sphere. And I think there's some, you know, potential there. There's also, I think, a feeling that, we need to focus on system preservation. And I, I, I do see a trend more towards that as opposed to, to building new. Can we focus on improve, making improvements to the system that we have? There's certainly an interest in things like smart streets and more comprehensive planning around other modes, bicycle and pedestrian in particular. And again, I think state DOTs have been doing a lot of this already um, through their own programs. There are programs are not just capital. Um, we you know, obviously have to maintain a wide network of roadway, but we also have multimodal um, assets as well that we support. So it'll be a balancing act, I think, on the messaging part and in building the coalition on the Hill. Um, they're kind of, you know, to pass something this big with this big of a price tag, there often has to be, uh, you know, kind of a way to bring everybody to the table with something that they they want. And we've seen that in the past and how some of these bills have been written with new, you know, new formula programs that really meet policy goals um, in order to you know build that tent to bring to bring bipartisan support. And I think we'll have to do something similar to that this go round as well. Well, you're the second person um, on the podcast in a couple of weeks to sound a little bit of optimism about what can happen. So um, we'll take some solace in that, I guess. Um, thanks for taking time to do this, Susan. We'll have to talk more sometime. It'll be interesting to get your perspective as as a bill gets introduced and things really start rolling. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation. Mm-hmm.